Welcome to Going In Tight. Coming out loose. Welcome back to Going In Tight, Coming Out Loose. Bart and Chris with you as always on this 38th episode of the podcast. We've got two more stars of the hit show on Netflix, The Crew. On uh, this week, we've got Freddie Stroma and Jillian Mueller. They are Jake and Catherine on the show. Um, another funny episode for you all. And so let's kick it off with them right now. Freddie, I've got to tell you, I had to bar and bolt the door up here because she heard I was interviewing the, the prince from Bridgerton. Oh, yeah. She, she made me she made me binge it all with her, and I said, well, this is not for that. We no. Bridgerton. <laughs> yeah. This is for something completely different, um, much less yeah. sexual, much more NASCAR-oriented. Yeah, not, <laughs> not quite as uh, softcore pornography. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah, quite different. Yeah, I, I, I said that to my brother that like the Venn diagram, the people who watch Bridgerton, people who watch the crew is probably oh pretty God. slim. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, very, very, very slim. You know, we first want to hear a little bit about how you guys got into these roles. Freddie, we obviously know Bridgerton and some of the Harry Potter stuff. Jillian, you've done some Broadway and some U.S. tours and shows there. Um, how did you all get into the roles on the crew? How did those come about? Um yeah, I mean, I got, I actually auditioned for Jesse first, who's the other driver character. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just was like an audition that came it kind of, there's the usual way where your agent and manager send you an email of an audition and I had to make a tape. And so I actually originally auditioned for that part, obviously didn't get it. And then a couple weeks later, they're like, actually, we're, we're having a hard time filling this part. Catherine, would you mind sending a tape in for that? And so I sent in an audition tape and it was kind of crazy because I was like, I was like flying out of town that day. And they're like, you have to be back tomorrow for a chemistry read with Kevin. And I'm like at the airport and I'm like, Okay, so I booked a flight for then the following day to come back for a chemistry read and like the next day, like on the way to the airport, they're like, just kidding. It was one of those weird, honestly, it probably will never happen ever again in my life. <laughs> it was one of those like kind of the stars aligned and I, they were like, actually, you know what? You don't even need to do the chemistry read. They know that you're what they want and a fit. Nice. Um, that's kind of how that happened. But um, it, when I say it out loud, it just sounds so like, no big deal. I made a tape and I got it and moved on. Um, but it's like kind of one of those things, like you're nonstop auditioning and all it takes is that one, that's the right fit. And then here we are. That's awesome. What about you, Freddie? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was filming Bridgerton at the time I was in London. Uh, and then this sort of tape came in. Uh, and so I, uh, put myself on tape in, in London with my agents and sent it off and, uh, I actually didn't realize it was a multicam when I first put myself on tape. I didn't either, Freddie. Uh, I didn't either. Yeah. And they were kind of talking about it like being a hybrid. Um, but uh, yeah. And so then I just kind of uh, then uh, spoke to Kevin and Jeff on the phone after that. And, uh, you know, I was in London and um, yeah, it was kind of just happened pretty quickly. So I went from going to London, came back to LA for like a brief moment and then was uh, off to New York. Wow. So w- be honest with us. And, and we want you all to be completely honest with us about the landscape in NASCAR here. 
when you all first got the scripts, when you all first were submitting tapes for this and, and doing reads and things like that, what was your initial reaction when you were like, I'm doing a NASCAR TV show here? <laughs> I mean, it was like, I, for, for me, it was, uh, I had about as much uh, uh, about as much nascar knowledge as a, a brit would have which is like <laughs> i watched talladega nights and you know i'd seen you know just the, the general stereotypes of, of nascar and so then i um but the script itself was fun and i just liked that it was a workplace comedy so um it seemed like a cool thing and i mean what guy doesn't want to play a, a race car driver and that's just an awesome character to play at any point <laughs> for sure yeah i didn't know i didn't know much about it i knew how big it was i mean i probably didn't actually fully realize how big it is but i knew it's this it's this huge industry but yeah like knowledge wise i grew up in new jersey and that's just okay. not as much of a thing the way like you know you watch football or like that, that those were more of the sports mm -hmm. um but I mean, I was like super excited because I like, I don't know. I, I just find it really fascinating. I find sports in general kind of this fascinating, especially now, like knowing even drivers and all that goes into it um, with the teams and the pit crew. It's like unbelievable. So, I mean, I was excited because I was honestly excited to like learn about it. And we, uh, we had a couple cameos on the show and we were supposed to have even more, but you know, like the rest of the world, we got shut down in March. So like that kind of stuff even not even knowing much about it, like having those guys there was just super cool. It's like, um, you know, you just have these like superstars at what they do there on set with us. That's pretty cool. So I've been watching the show, watching bloopers and then some interviews that you guys have done. It seems like you guys have a lot of chemistry, really the group, uh, the whole cast. Is that that vibe correct? Did, it, did you guys get along pretty well? Yeah, I mean, I think I, it's it's just a it's a good group of people. There's no egos. It's just very funny people. I I love it. Like I, it's comedies are just so much fun to go to work to. You just get to go to work, be around talented, funny people, and everyone's really cool. And yeah, I mean, I we've got, I think the cast has got awesome chemistry. Yeah, it's it's also I think it's cool because we're all um, we're all very different and and have like our own vibe obviously, which you can see like on the show, you know, it's not like one of, you know, like, um, you know, one of these teeny bopper shows like Riverdale, right. where it's all just like young, pretty 20 year olds. Um, <laughs> you know, we're all just really, really different. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, we're all very different. And we also, but there is sort of this common thread. I, I really do. I was thinking about this the other day, like we're all kind of have been hustlers. Like we've all been working hard. Like Freddie's been in everything you've ever seen. And like Gary is this huge improv guy and another person who's been in everything you've ever seen. And me and Sarah have this Broadway background and Dan's a stand-up comedian that it's, I don't know. There's just this, there's a similar vibe in that way, which is what helps us all to get along. And yeah, like Freddie said, I think going to work every day, it was we also knew everybody that's part of it knew what they were creating the writers the showrunner the director like we were not curing cancer we're trying to make people laugh and do this sitcom so um everybody kind of having the same goal it, it was really fun nice uh so freddie you play this seemingly witless uh race car driver <laughs> who has a natural talent behind the wheel uh how did you adapt to this role because it really seems so much different than anything else that you've done yeah, it was, I mean, I first, like, I, I when reading for it, I was like, oh, wow, this feels, you know, completely different to any of the characters I've done. Um, 
but it's a weird thing because I, you know, I usually I like to try and get as much research in as I can, but when it's this broader comedy and when you've got lines like, you know, people call monkeys monks and stuff, you're like, oh, this guy's like, I, I think it would be an insult to any NASCAR driver who I did study because he'd be like, please don't say he was based off of me. He's <laughs> <laughs> just, just a moron. So, like, it's, you know, he's not, he really isn't smart. So, uh, I don't know. It was just, I, it was, I, my main thing was to just focus on, I guess, the laughs, tell the truth, and um, try and make sure, try and toe that line between some of the, the things he says can be taken pretty offensively depending on how you deliver them. So I was just trying my hardest to come across as uh, innocent and likable as opposed to douchebag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Jillian, the, play, the character that you play, um, we, we don't see that in NASCAR. We haven't seen a, a female owner, let alone a young female owner. Um, was there any, what was kind of the framework for you developing that character? Was there any, anyone that influenced you within NASCAR that you kind of took little bits from? Um, not necessarily specifically in NASCAR. Um, they, they gave me a couple of people to look up and it, it was more, no one specifically in NASCAR did I like think about, but honestly, the big thing, the big takeaway was just like, look at like lady bosses in general, mm -hmm. like people that, mm -hmm run and own things and to me the it's it's funny because I, I get questions about it a lot with the show obviously and to me the biggest thing was not even the part that I was a woman playing it but it was more the age thing because like mm -hmm. rarely do you see someone so young running mm -hmm. or owning things right. um so that was the kind of, and what, what, what helped though was the push pull of me and Kevin's character really helped give me groundwork um, on, on knowing what my focus was because going into it, I kept saying like, I'm like, I don't want to just be a big bitch. No one's going to like me, <laughs> but you know, if you come across that way, sometimes that's the way that it has to be. But um, they were really good about, you know, our, our, my goals for the team, which were more based on the world I knew, which was tech and Kevin just being old school and sort of not that not being the way that kind of kept it grounded. So that way I wasn't just this like, you know, crazy over the top tyrant um, or, or sort of like being a girl and shying away from owning the team because I felt insecure about being young or a chick or whatever. Mm -hmm. but yeah as as far as like somebody specifically in the nascar world no not yet but i might i might start doing some some digging and if we get another season we hope like, you do races meet some people there's this there's this lady in uh formula one and mm -hmm. her her dad used to own williams racing and they're like one of the most historic teams in formula one um and they are she actually ended up taking over the team and went through some of the same struggles and they ah. were on this fast decline. Um, and she actually ended up got to the point where she sold the team and, and was looking at this big sponsor. So, and it just happened this past year. So you could always look at her. Yeah. Do you know her name? what did you say? Williams racing? Williams racing. Yeah. Yeah. They're just a big storied family in the formula one world. So not NASCAR and there's a lot more money in formula one than there is here. So, um, <laughs> but still, still a cool kind of, yeah. Thing. Still within the, within the general. Yeah, world. for sure. 
So you guys said that you didn't really have much background in NASCAR, if any at all. It's seemingly, it's big, but seemingly very different from any other mainstream sport. Um, as you learned the sport a little bit, was there anything that just interesting or odd that you took away from the sport of NASCAR? Oh, interesting or odd. I mean, <laughs> the whole pit crew thing and, and all the mechanics of a car, like I am clueless when it comes to like cars and like, like even just basic stuff and engines and I have no clue. So that whole realm of it is insane. But also honestly, what, what was, I found fascinating, but it, it wasn't like shocking or weird was how it's not that unlike some like other industries, meaning like you have, like even just our creating our show, you have a producer and you have the network and you have a director and you have then the player, like it's, there's still those like structures with, you know, you have the crew chief and the owner who wants mm -hmm. this and the crew chief needs that. And sort of those dynamics I found really interesting. Yeah. That was like, I firstly, no doors. That was interesting. Just <laughs> jumping through a window. I didn't think I'd have to do that that many times. Uh, uh, I did think that, um, uh, like so, something that I really, really want to do um, is be able to go to one and just the tailgating aspect of it. Like mm -hmm. what oh, I understand yeah. of it. I mean, you guys, you guys can tell me because I still don't. I haven't seen it in person. But is I assume it might be similar to like a college football game on like, crack. Like, yeah. On crack. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah really, that like, sounds really, really fun. There's really levels of it too. Like you go to Daytona and it's more like a classier level of drunk people. Mm -hmm. But if you go to Talladega, it's like, <laughs> it's naked people being <laughs> drunk. So, yeah. so it, it's kind of like what your vibe is, like how, how crazy you want to get. But <laughs> Talladega is the place to go if you want to party. Right. Yeah. That sounds like amazing. Uh, like that, that sounds like a really fun experience. Um, and the other thing that I didn't like, because I, I started looking at like crashes and stuff and I just thought, you know, like the responsibility that NASCAR has for the safety of drivers and stuff. And I was amazed at like how safe they've made it over the last like 20 years. Like mm -hmm. it hasn't, I mean, I can't remember the last death was, was what 20 years ago now. So, I mean, it's like yeah, 2001. having seen, like when we were filming, we watched like, there was that with the, when Ryan Newman and Blake, <gasps> Oh like, my God, that was like, insane. And they brought up the screen. Like I was watching with my wife and we were, you know, we were, tu you know, tuning in because we were filming and, it was like our first like real tuning in and watching a whole race and we just like like it just went the cameras went off it and, I, and we were just we spent the whole next few days just every day googling is he okay yeah. is he okay and we were just like i don't know if this is for us anymore that was terrifying <laughs> yeah but, right. and like i really i really did the research of like how insanely safe it is you see these cars do that and then they, they come out of the cars and they walk and they're fine like i don't that is a feat of engineering i don't know how they do it my yeah, wife won't watch it because of that. <laughs> I mean, I, I, we were all right there with you, sick to our stomach. I mean, theoretically, someone shouldn't walk out of that car, but somehow they did. Yeah. You guys, you guys had uh, some, some cameos on the show, though. Ryan Blaney, Austin Dillon, Cole Cluster, they all uh, were on the show, uh, assuming they're all kind of a fish out of the water, not really knowing how this kind of works. Did anybody impress you with their acting abilities? I mean, you'll t you ask anyone in, uh, in the cast, and Kurt Blaney just came out guns blazing. Like, he was, <laughs> I mean, he was popping up. He was improving, Chucky. And yes, that was the thing. Like, I mean, I'm an actor and improving still like scares me. And he like came in hot. Like it was like no big thing. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> 
Yeah, it was annoying because he's a he's like you know an incredible driver. He's good looking. He's young, and now he's <laughs> now he's coming into our world, and now he's doing our job better than we are. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> Come on, yeah. He was very very good, and the others were great as well. No, I mean, they were, they were, they were. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he stood out a little bit. So you all have this interesting dynamic, and I've always wondered because. We know nothing about the acting world. We learned a ton from Jeff and Andy, just hearing them go back and forth about it. Um, you all have this dynamic where you're kind of like pitted against one another and you seem to like one another in real life for the most part. But how do you have this character when like Catherine is trying to take away Jake's job and, and put in the new driver and then you've got all this dynamic how do you bring that on screen but then like here you guys are laughing and cutting up with one another I couldn't do that <laughs> yeah I don't know it's just I mean it's it's you know credit to them as well they, they did a decent job with that and I, I one of the things I liked is that even in that first episode Catherine's trying to get rid of Jake and he's just like fine I'm packing up my bags if you want to get rid of me, I, I got to get to another team so like he's just you know he's goal oriented but that's also just you know the the difference in on and off camera is just yeah it's just the that's just part of the acting I guess you just kind of have to play the con you know that every scene is basically about conflict so you got to get used yeah. to it. totally I also think I always think if you get along off screen I just always think no matter what you're doing on screen it'll always like help and especially the comedy as well yeah like just everyone because it was such a good group of people and so everyone's just comfortable around each other and then also means that everyone's confident to try out new jokes and throw out different lines and that definitely helps. Well, and Freddie, you talked about how terrifying it is to watch some of these crashes. And then you play a character who gets a concussion and he's like, no, I'm going to go wander behind the wheel of the car and hope that I get this thing through. Um, did NASCAR kind of say, make sure his ass doesn't get behind the wheel of that car because we don't want this picture to take place. I mean, how do you, uh, what was that dichotomy like? I mean, it was a, it was a weird thing. Like, cause you know, there's that, you know, it's obviously it's in the it's in the hands of the of the writers as opposed to us at that point. But right. like I was I had moments of like, you know, I'm going to do like I'm playing someone who is knowingly going to go into an insanely dangerous race with a concussion. It's like we can't let that happen. And obviously that, you know, the, the episode doesn't let it happen in the right. end. I guess that break, it builds that tension up is that, you know, he's you know, you're spending the whole episode. Going, wait, wait, hang on. Is he going to get behind the wheel? And then <laughs> You know they do the right thing and then and he and he doesn't do it but yeah there was there were different moments there i was like when i was first reading the episode when we got it i was like i really hope we don't like encourage him to get by <laughs> that's the right thing to do you know right and throughout taping this throughout the whole thing you all got i think they said to like three episodes left and then that's when everything shut down and you all came back on this covid set and we were told a little bit about what that means and that you all had these crazy precautions. Did you all have to pair up with somebody or were you all kind of secluded off on this COVID set? How did that work? Um, well, we all, they put us all up in a hotel close by the studio. So like no one was even like going home. We were kind of in our own little bubble in that mm -hmm. way. Um, and there's all the, a lot of it has to do with the union. So like there's like the, and, and Netflix too had their own rules. So like they made all of us quarantine for two weeks before we came back. Right. Um, and, and then on set, we still had our dressing rooms. Um, and then, but it was like the second you walk out your door of the dressing room, you had your mask on. Um, it, it was more, 
it, it, it almost feels like kind of shady because we just had to wear like a mask, but then it would be like our wardrobe people and other people would be walking around us with <laughs> a mask, a shield, smock, yeah. gloves, like just surgeon style. Um, so, so I really give it to everybody else because they really had to go through it with all that, the PPE stuff. Um, and then once we start filming, that's when you're allowed to take off your masks. Um, okay. But even like hair and makeup, like I would, you get your makeup on and you have to put this thing over again. Yeah, they would, they credit to the crew, really. I mean, because we, we got to, we had to have the least amount of protection, essentially, because we're the, we're the ones that were kind of protecting. So, you know, when we were on there, we didn't have a, we didn't have a mask on when we were filming and stuff, but they had to, I mean, they had to dress to the nines inside, yeah. like <laughs> hazmat suits and everything, but yeah, yeah great job. And, and before we move on, I've got to ask Freddie, it, it's clear you are British. How do you turn, how do you turn that off and on? I mean, people joke around and do different accents, but you are talking for a long time in this American accent. How do you do that? Well, so I, it's something I actually started doing. My wife suggested it like a couple of years ago where um, on jobs, I just don't go out of it. So when we were filming, the whole time I was in American accent when I was on, okay. uh, like on camera, off camera, went home. So none of the cast actually heard me speaking normal. I did not even know he was British until like <laughs> week five. I'm not kidding. No one told me, like I did, had no idea. That's hysterical. Yeah, it just, especially like, especially a show like this, because like once they get one take that they're happy with, they're like, okay, now I'll say this line. And so you're just always throwing out different things. Mm. So. It's, if I'm essentially improving all 24 seven, then it's, it, it won't throw me. I can think about the, the joke as opposed to thinking about the accent. Ah, makes sense. So as, as far as working with Kevin James and just on a comedy, I, I mean, when we interviewed Andy and Jeff, I could barely put myself together to ask a question because they had me rolling the whole time. I mean, like how, how many takes are you guys doing? How do you not laugh when, when you're going through these, these hilarious moments? There's a couple of takes. There's been was a couple of scenes that that it, it it was hard to barrel through. Like especially when it would be like all five of us together. Yeah. It would like every each take it was like somebody was like, I'm sorry, I cracked. Can we do that again? <laughs> yeah, it happened a lot. Especially also Kevin, like because I've I've you know I've watched Kevin over you know over the years on all his all the jobs he's done. And I just think he's so talented and so funny. And so it, literally he's just gonna say something normal i'm already i'm prepping to laugh so when he does his jokes and he just does that like it's so hard to like not put yourself in the audience seat in your head and just start and i i cracked so many times when kevin was doing something um dan had one moment where he knew he got me on like a line he would like pause on me so i was cracking up every time it's, it's really hard not to like it's yeah it's a lot of fun though I is there bet. is there is there one moment throughout the show that you you like think back and you just like lose it every time? It's so funny to you that happened. There was one like I I, I think my one of my first like crack ups was we we started filming episode three two one um, and so on the third episode was the first one we shot in front of the live audience and there was they it was the end of the episode scene where we're all at the bar and they show us the uh, the commercial uh, and. And they do the whole commercial and then I just pop up and go, yep. And then it disappears. And like, <laughs> I, they didn't show it to us before the live audience. And so yeah. the whole point is that we're all supposed to look at it. And I'm supposed to go, wow. And then like be all really excited. But I, I looked at it and I just started cracking up because I hadn't seen it before. Everybody was turning at me and I was like, guys, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I just like, I couldn't, 
I knew that I was, I had to prepare to look uh, like upset, but I was already just like laughing. I couldn't help it. But everybody did because no one had seen it. They hadn't shown us how they cut the commercial together. So no one knew what was coming. Yeah. And then yeah. they show it to us for the first time, like while you guys are filming that take. And yeah. everyone on the stage was just like biting their cheeks. Yeah. Well, and, and Kevin's like always, I mean, he's done stand up. He's been a part of these funny things. But like, Freddie, when I guess when Jillian would have seen you, she's like got to be thinking like, harry potter type guy and then you're coming out cracking these like the monkeys and monks thing like yeah. jillian how do you keep it together when he's sitting there talking to you and he's like got this serious face on and no, says I something just totally <laughs> preposterous because i'm sitting there and i'm like i'd just be like this guy's a dumbass and i'd walk out i wouldn't be able to do it yeah you just kind of like keep you just like know you have to like get through the take and then after, <laughs> like oh my god but yeah, you just, I don't know. You just stay in the zone while you're filming it. And then afterwards we like chit chat about it. And I'm like. A lot of the times also like what happens is that we will have rehearsed it a thousand times. So at least we do get a little bit of prep beforehand. Okay. Um, so we've done it at the table read. We rehearsed it Tuesday, we rehearsed it Wednesday, you know, and by Thursday, Friday, when we're shooting it, we've, we've had a little bit of prep time. But a lot of the times I've found like if Kevin comes out with new ones or if anyone's saying something funny, I'll just try and hold a straight face just long enough so you know that there's an edit point. So like, yeah. so if he says it and then it's on you, you just try and hold it. And then if you can't, then you can let it go. But you know that they probably could cut to something else at that point. And I've, I've had a few of those. That's awesome. There was also that one line at the, the, the last episode when Gary says the comment about his kids. He's like, I can repair uh -huh. anything except the relationship with my kids. And they kept coming up to him. Andy, the director kept coming up and he was like, lean into it more like I just want more like a longer pause like even sadder and like by the end they had to just stop because we couldn't hold the awkward pause and no <laughs> one laugh like we couldn't do it I, I remember that and that was like the, our last week of filming so by then you're already kind of a little loopy anyway oh That's man hilarious. well you uh, can binge Bridgerton as much as you want I've <laughs> had enough it, one time <laughs> One time was enough for me of, of like all the awkward sex scenes while my wife's yeah. sitting on the couch beside me. So yeah, no, we fast forwarded through those. We were like, no, <laughs> <laughs> there was, there was one episode. I can't remember which one it was. Cause we don't watch sex scenes in general. We'll just fast forward through them. And there was just like one happening. We're like, okay, fast forward. And it was like, are they in a different location? And they're like, fast forward, are they in another location? It was like, and then we looked at the time. It was like seven minutes of sex for like different yeah. Yeah, it, like, that was a low one. You're you're um, like the least sexual character in that show, and I'm like, I, he got away scot free, you know, having to like nice. rub himself all over somebody for five minutes for no reason. So yeah, no, it's uh, I got I got off scot free, which was great. It was, uh, <laughs> uh, we that's all that we've got for you guys. We appreciate it. We, we enjoy hearing your side of things. Teaches us a lot about a world that we don't know. So. Uh, we appreciate you all taking part in the show and being a part of the show uh, and look forward to season two. Thanks for being on with us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah thank you all. All right, folks, that is the last interview that we have for you all with the crew and cast of the crew. So it's been a lot of fun getting to meet these guys all the way from the creators and writers and directors of the show down to some of the casting cast who make this just an absolute 
funny show. Um, you know, it's something that you and I had talked about, you know, we wanted more of the documentary and we were skeptical of this show. And we came into it with kind of these jaded glasses of this is going to be this cheesy comedy. And, uh, you know, after talking to them, they did so much work, not only with NASCAR, but with drivers to make sure that they weren't you know, making fun at the expense of the fans and making fun at the expense of the drivers, but really just bringing a nice workplace comedy. So uh, what was your favorite part about learning about all of these guys, Bart? <laughs> My favorite part for sure was laughing until <laughs> I cried on multiple occasions. Like I feel like every time I got off one of these interviews, I had to go drop <laughs> dry my eyes because I, I could not stop laughing these people are so funny and like you just don't even know what's coming at you they're right. I mean they're so quick and witty and jolly and joyful and, and just like pleasant people to be around and like I really enjoyed speaking with all of them I certainly learned a ton of information about something I know very little about so um yeah definitely definitely laughing for sure what about you yeah. Well, I mean, laughter is, you know, some of the best medicine and, and you and I, we end up, you know, we record these things and they end up being an hour, but we always end up talking for two hours, just laughing with one another about life. And then when we get on with these guys, we were talking with them a few minutes before, and then we would have to stop recording and we would get to laugh with them afterwards. And, uh, you know, we had Netflix personnel on the back end that were just like, oh, you guys are in for a treat with these guys. So, you know, it's fun, a ton of fun and especially working and getting to talk with these guys in the comedy industry, you don't know just how scripted certain things are. But once you start seeing these guys fly off the cuff, once you start hearing them talk about Ryan Blaney poking fun at Kevin James and Kevin James poking fun at Ryan Blaney, you realize just how much these guys bring to a show and to the comedy and laughter factor of something like this. Um, like you said, it was really cool to learn about something that we literally had know nothing about. I mean, we're asking these folks how they got the interviews and you have Jillian's story where they, they're just like, yeah, come back and start reading with Kevin James. And then you've got a guy like Gary saying you go through all these different steps. So it, it's not the same, you know, like for us, no drivers, the same, no race, um, is the same unless it's just mile and a half tracks. And then, um, you know, it, there's always something different and it's nice to talk to them and see that their career paths are, are a lot different as we go through things. Um, did you expect when we sat down that interview with Dan and Gary was definitely wild. Um, they have a history and improv as you'll, you, you heard on that episode, they have, um, both history and stand up. They they've gone these crazy paths, one from a doctor, one from, you know, small town outside of Atlanta, Georgia. Did you expect that to end up going 55 minutes of just off the rails of, you know, murder geese, sending people to our house, black daddy, any of that? Were you expecting that? No, not at all. <laughs> I, had, I had, I had literally 30 minutes penciled in my afternoon and then I was going to go do some other stuff. And I mean, it didn't seem like 55 minutes because it was like just a blast the whole time. But I mean, it was, <laughs> I think, wasn't it supposed to be 30 minutes and we just, yeah. Talked? 
yeah, we had 30 minutes scheduled with all these folks. And then um, they were, you know, it was fun for us because we're, we're a small fan podcast. We've been doing this for fun for uh, close to a year now. And it was fun for those guys that it seemed important to them that we had a good time. And, mm-hmm. and that's what was a lot of fun. Them asking, you know, oh, is this, you know, the best podcast you all have done? And then um, them getting to do their best Mario Andretti impressions, which uh, <laughs> another thing that just went absolutely off the rails um, and will apologize again for Dan if he offended any of our Italian listeners out there. But um, just another wild scenario that, um, you know, I think we held our own with the improv and uh, the comedy guys. You could tell just it's in their blood to just mm-hmm rip off of what each other is saying so a ton of fun we learned a ton about the the film industry and just what it takes to put this together uh have you seen yet whether we're getting another season of this not yet i haven't seen anything about it Mm -mm. we hope it comes back uh it's definitely good for nascar it's awesome to know that they were partnering and 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 had some influence behind the scenes there so Hopefully it comes back for season two. We hope that you all enjoyed getting to learn about these characters and these people and their stories. And we hope you get to see them again and um, kind of gives a different wrinkle now knowing these people and uh, seeing them on the screen, knowing that we got to talk to them and learn a little bit more about them. So we hope uh, you all feel the same way. Alrighty, so this is a little bit of pre-recorded goodness. Um, everybody's getting an off week, including uh, the fans from a little bit in NASCAR. So Bart and I wanted to make sure that we knocked this out, still brought you all some fun, and talked a little bit about what we're going to be doing in the off week as we lead up to Martinsville. So Bart, do you have any big plans as we're we're going into the off week? Uh, not too big. Um, I've become a, a guy with a big green thumb here recently and mm-hmm. been doing a lot of like yard stuff. And uh, with all this rain that's come through and flooding in Nash- Nashville, all this grass that I just planted just like completely <laughs> washed out. So <laughs> I got to start over from scratch. But I'm also going up to Kentucky Lake, uh, spend a little time with family. That's where I'm from originally up in uh, Western Kentucky. So I um, get to hopefully enjoy a nice weekend outside. What about you? I think I found a place that will deliver me some crawfish overnight. So big shout out to Louisiana crawfish. Um, Some folks moved into our neighborhood from, so we're, I'm in a, I'm I'm in a neighborhood that you could deem a house farm. They're popping up houses everywhere. And um, some people moved in from new Orleans And so I saw them post this past weekend while I'm sitting here and I'm doing work in my basement. I've got the green thumb like Bart, but I'm trying to finish uh, Bart and his wife's bonus room in our basement (laughs) so that when they come visit, they can have a full bathroom and a uh, and a bedroom down here in the basement as we've got baby number two on the way. But um, so I'm sitting down here working and then all of a sudden I get this notification from the uh, neighborhood Facebook group that they've got some crawfish and you were doing your crawfish boil this past weekend. Other people are doing crawfish boil. I'm missing out on all of it. And so I said, Hey, were these bugs live? And where did you get them from? Um, And they said, they've got this place 
louisianacrawfish.com that they go to and they'll ship to most states um, that aren't like Alaska, Hawaii, Washington, Maine, all these crazy places. Um, but most places can get their crawfish overnight. So I might order myself a little five pound bag of crawfish and treat my dad to some crawfish since he's been helping me in the basement. Um, maybe invite the New Orleans people over, see if they can grab some crawfish. I didn't get to get over and get any of theirs, but live crawfish, it is a tad bit expensive, $5.29 a pound, but that's what Ooh. you get. Well, it's harsh, but they're shipping it to you overnight. They say if you, if you order it by 4 p.m., they say that they'll get it. This is a hell of an advertisement. LouisianaCrawfish.com. <laughs> please sponsor it. But they say if you get your order in by 4 o'clock p.m. that they can pretty much get it to you the next day. I don't know how this works. Wow. Um, but these folks, they said they got live bugs. They were in good shape. They didn't even have, they said they might have one or two dead ones in there. But they mm. they didn't have a lot of it. So you can get like a five-pound bag all the boil seasonings um, and they give it to you and they send it overnight. It's all, it's like 69 99 for, for them to do this. So it's pretty expensive. Well, that's not that bad. I mean, I, no, I mean that. Yeah. Not bad like at all. Nice considering that you're getting dinner. it overnight. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. And, but you're getting five pounds of crawfish. It, it It's more expensive per pound, but again, your overnight delivery and you're not in the bayou, so you can't, you don't get to just get it for a dollar twenty nine a pound or whatever friends down there get it at. I don't know if it's that low. It's definitely early in the season. I paid four forty nine yeah. for it a, a pound, and I think it just dropped down from five the week before. Yeah, so it was still high. We ordered thirty pounds, had a nice little car boil. Um, I, I'll just throw a plug for bo the boil boss. <laughs> We're just, uh, we're just going to have this Cajun podcast. <laughs> yes. Uh, but there's this product called uh, Boil Boss, and it clips on your boil pot and actually cools down the, the pots. You don't overcook the crawfish when you soak them. Um, a lot of people throw ice in, in the boil to try to cool it down. It dilutes the water, all the juices that you created. Um, so this way, um, it's, a, it's a more effective way to cool it down and, and not eat overcooked shellfish. So... Yeah. I love me some crawfish, man. Oh. I have not gotten to have it. I think the last time is when we went down, we've got some friends that live down in new Orleans. Shout out to lesson page. The last time I had it is when we went down there and that was 4th of July weekend, four years ago. So it's been a long time since I've had some crawfish. Um, but you do, you do a hell of a boil, no matter what it is on our fantasy weekend, you do the shrimp boil. And so mm -hmm. it's, a, uh, yeah, you, you've got a good boil going no matter what. So, um, hopefully you've got some service at the lake so that I can text you, figure out what the hell I'm doing. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'll be working on the basement and in, in the off week. And then, um, you know, looking forward to another short track race. We go from short track dirt racing over to the paperclip at Martinsville. And you do have some fantasy forecasts lined up for us, don't you? I do. Yeah. So uh, fantasy advice, I haven't forgotten. Um, so uh, we're going to go into a short track after going at a short track, but the, <laughs> there's a big difference. There's no dirt on this one. So, um, so you can actually look at the pass and get some reasonable idea of who's going to do well there. 
Um, this was a track that you saw Jimmy Johnson, Clint Boyer do pretty well at, so you kind of have to rule them out now that they retired. Um, if you're looking at one guy, it's Kyle Busch. I think that he has just really dominated this track in the last um, two years at least. He's had four top tens. Um, all of those are actually top fives, actually. So um, four top fives in the past um, two years in, I think he won a couple of them, maybe. <laughs> so yeah. um, he, he's definitely my top pick. Um, I'm also going to go with Denny Hamlin. He's generally really successful here. Um, two top fives in the last two years. Um, they're definitely going to replay Chase Elliott, Denny Hamlin, the, the wreck that happened a couple of years back. Um, both of those actually are, are drivers I would go after Chase Elliott as well. He won here last year in the playoffs, and that's really what took him to, to the level of winning the championship. Um, so Kyle Busch, Chase Elliott, Denny Hamlin, also going with two Penske drivers. Um, Brad Keselowski has a lot of success here as well as Blaney. Um, so I'm going to go with those as my top five. Um, looking at garage bait, um, I'm going to go with a few underdogs here. I've actually got four drivers instead of three this week. I couldn't decide. Wow. So I just, I just threw them all in. Um, first one is Kurt Busch. Kurt Busch is really good at short tracks. He dominates Bristol also has some success here, um, with a lot of top tens. Um, so Kurt Busch is someone that uh, definitely I would consider putting in my garage, um, Matt DiBenedetto, um, he is also very good at, at short tracks. If there's any track that he could potentially win at, I would say it would be a super speedway or a short track. Um, that's when I would circle his name. And he's definitely got the fire under his pants right now to, to try and do better. Um, I'm also going to go with Eric Jones. Eric Jones is with a new team. And uh, sub-team Chris's eyes right now. Just <laughs> bugging out his head. Uh, but Eric Jones has been really successful here. The, the problem with it is that he's with a different team that's not as highly funded. Um, but I don't know that that matters all that much at a short track. Had a good um, dirt race. Yeah. And I think a team of their caliber can compete on a track like this. They're not mm -hmm. like a, a very low funded team. Um, pour one out for Quinn Huff. He's not going to do well. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> And then my final garage bait driver is Ryan Newman. Dude is really consistent, hard to pass really aggressive. I think we'll see him in the top 10 here. So somebody to consider um, when looking at somebody to put in your garage. I'm looking at bonus picks. I'm going with Keselowski as the top Ford, Kyle Busch as the top Toyota, and Chase Elliott as the top Chevy. Mm -hmm. I'm picking Kyle Busch to win this race, manufactured Toyota, and Joe Gibbs Racing as the team. All um, in. Yeah, we have seen seven races this year this is the off week moving into martinsville will be the eighth we have seen seven different drivers which i don't know about you but is very exciting if you look at 2020 44 percent yeah. of all the races were won by two people denny hamlin kevin harvick and like chris says a lot watching f1 is really fun to watch but loose hamilton dominates that series and it wasn't as fun to watch when Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick were dominating the series. It's really fun to watch a lot of people be competitive and have an equal chance going into each race weekend. All right, everybody, we've wrapped it up with the crew. We hope you enjoyed those interviews, getting to learn a little bit more about the cast and crew that make up that show. A lot of fun. Hoping it's going to come back for season two. Make sure you give all of these people a follow. If you're into a little bit of soft porn, you can go watch Freddy 
on Bridgerton. Um, it's a little bit weird, so don't watch it with your moms, your daughters, your sons, or your wives. Um, but uh, you can definitely go check him out there. Um, make sure you give all those folks a follow. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at going in tight underscore pod. You can find us on Facebook. Our business people out there, you can find us on LinkedIn. And you can also find all of our episodes on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can find us on goingintightpodcast.com. Um, all of our fantasy forecasts and episodes are there as well. We look forward to talking to you all after Martinsville. Peace.